0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. In 1644, the English Parliament under Oliver Cromwell issued a public notice. The observation of Christmas having been deemed a sacrilege, the exchanging of gifts and greetings Dressing in fine clothing, feasting, and similarly satanical practices are hereby forbidden with the offender liable to a fine of five shillings. The Puritans who settled in the Massachusetts Bay Colony on the very first Christmas after the first American Thanksgiving were told to go out and work in the field. And from 1659 to 1681, Christmas was banned. The war against Christmas was so vicious that it did not become a federally recognized holiday in this country until 1870. And it wasn't a war just against Christmas. Easter, And Pentecost and all the memorials of the saints were abolished as well. The reason? Only Sunday was the Lord's Day. And anything else was a man-made invention contrary to the Word of God. Well, That was the reason given by those who rather conveniently forgot that the transfer of the Christian Sabbath from the seventh day of rest to the mystical eighth day of renewal, Sunday, the first day of the week, was actually not entirely established until the Council of Catholic Bishops at Laodicea mentioned it as normative in the year 364. It's amazing the things that we overlook when we're trying to do something different than the church herself. But this was the 17th century in the English-speaking world, and many Christians were really riled up. They were very keen on saving Christianity from itself by purging it of whatever they didn't happen to particularly like. Now, of course, I haven't read many reactions from Catholics at that time, I mean, Catholics are taught, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. And this was an edict of the law. But Christmas, like all of the other observances of the sacred year, they're all acts of worship rendered to God. So, knowing us Catholics like I do, I am absolutely sure that the reaction of most Catholics to these bah humbug laws was, you know what? We're going to Christmas even harder, right? Because that's how we roll. But it does raise a question, doesn't it? How on earth did we get into a situation where Christmas was banned in the first place? And is it the case now? When people feel constrained to say Happy Holidays for fear of offending someone by saying Merry Christmas, are we back in those dreary times of Puritanism just of a different sort? The English poet T.S. Eliot wrote, the essential of any important heresy is not simply that it is wrong, it is that it is partly right. It is characteristics of the more interesting heretics, in the context in which I use the term, that they have an exceptionally acute perception or profound insight of some part of the truth, an insight more important often than the inferences of those who are aware of more, but less acutely aware of anything. I mean, the Puritans were Christians. They believed, as do all Christians, that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb, of Jesus Christ, shed for love of us on the cross at Calvary. Our blessed Lord knew that we had contracted a debt we could never pay. And so, he paid it for us in our stead. This doctrine of atonement by substitution is an essential part of the Christian message. If you don't believe this, you can't really honestly call yourself a Christian. But our salvation is more than just that one moment when Christ breathed his last on the cross. As terrible and awesome as that defining moment of human history redeemed was. The same precious blood of the Redeemer was also shed in the garden of Gethsemane by the Lord in his passion and also in observance of the Mosaic law at his circumcision. Those bloodlettings are not secondary or irrelevant. It is the same blood that we receive under the forms of bread and wine at Holy Mass. But it wasn't just discrete moments of blood shed by the God-man. Now, to use a rather charged concept of modern theology, our salvation was brought about not just by one or more events, but by the entire Christ event. And that event began before the first Christmas, No matter what date on a calendar, that took place. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. From all eternity, the plan of God to create and then to restore what he had created, that, my dear friends, is the Christ event. If you center everything just on Calvary, then you make the incarnation just a means to the atonement. It becomes secondary, not as important. There is no fast because there is no feast. There's just one point on a line that becomes the reason for commemoration. It's a great commemoration, but it becomes just then a commemoration. But there is, as we have seen in Advent preparing for Christmas, as we see in Lent preparing for Easter, there is a fast because there is a feast. There is more than one point on a line, but a prism of radiant light that becomes the reason not just for commemoration, but for participation. You know, there's a little ceremony that happens at every Mass If you blink, you can miss it. You probably have seen it a million times and never thought even to question what on earth it was. When the priest places a small drop of water in the chalice filled with wine at Mass, the wine destined to be transformed by the Holy Ghost into the blood of Christ, he says, by the mystery of this water and wine, May we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself, to share in our humanity. God becomes flesh not just to go to Calvary and die. By assuming human flesh, the word comes not just to save a totally disaggregated gaggle of individuals, but all of humanity. Christ becomes the new Adam. And we who are born into the race of Adam and Eve are reborn by grace into Christ. Our sins are blotted out on Golgotha. It is true. And you know what? We must never forget or cease to render thanks to God for that gift that snatched us from damnation. But there's more. There's so much more. And thanks be to God that there's more. You and I are destined to glory. All of humanity is signed, sealed, and delivered by that invitation to the saving font of faith in Christ Jesus through baptism. All of that humanity is called and destined to resurrection. The incarnation, the passion, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the second coming of Christ. May it come soon. I can't wait for it. They are all part of the Christ event that saves, sanctifies, and supernaturalizes all of us. But if men restrict their vision and no longer see the forest for the trees, they'll get a part of the truth at the expense of the whole truth and then seek to ruin everybody's joy so that they're as short-sighted as they are. Then humanity loses so much of its potentiality, so much of its flavor, so much of its joy, so much of its wonderfulness, it becomes nothing more than what some of the fathers called the massa damnata, of sinners in the hands of an angry God fearfully looking over a precipice from which only a few individuals, usually the ones who agree with them, can escape. There is no feast and no fast. There is no color and no shapeliness, it's all the eternal winter of theological abstraction that kills authentic and true joy. Before those partial truths that grinch out the authentic spirit, not just of one day, but of the entire life of gospel discipleship, the Catholic Church stands in resistance, quietly, but resolutely, and says, you know what? We're going to Christmas even harder. You just watch us. Because with the eyes of faith, we look on with St. John as he was granted a vision of heaven. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 12, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We are reminded that even though the road to heaven is narrow, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ tells us that, even though the road is narrow, and there's a lot of things that we can find on that road. Not always pleasant things. But on that road, you know what? God comes to meet us. And with God, all things are possible. His mercy and his love always wins. And that, my friends, is why we Christmas so hard as Catholic Christians. Because Christ comes to turn this dreary old world into a new heaven of eternal light.